0: How are they trying to affect their operation with this decision? Because at the end of the day, whatever real estate decision they are making, it it, it is they're thinking of something in, in their practice that they're wanting to do differently, or change, or expand, or you know what have you. So there's there's some sort of operational reason as to why they're wanting to make a real estate decision. So I ask that so that I can better understand kind of where my parameters are with with helping them with their real estate decision, because depending on their answer and they're like, oh, you know, we want to buy a building, but depending on their answer to the operational question and the inventory available or a bunch of other decisions along the way, I can say, you know, this I know is what your primary goal is, but here is, you know, other options that still get you to your operational goal that you're trying to achieve just in maybe a little bit different way.
1: This is the Providers Properties and Performance Podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. This week's episode is my interview on the Medical Group Management Association's podcast, another interview picking my brain about the benefits of healthcare real estate and what a practice needs to consider if they are going to sell or build or purchase and then own and operate their own medical office building.
2: Well, Tricia, thanks so much for joining us on the MGMA Insights podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, so you are the founder of Doc Properties. You have roughly 20 years of healthcare real estate experience. So just take us down that career path. How did you kind of land on this focus of healthcare real estate?
0: Um, well, I was getting into commercial real estate, and um, I was also going to school at the same time, and I, I accepted. A market research opportunity for a developer of medical office building, um, and they were building a new on-campus medical building and needed kind of a market analysis. So I completed that for them uh, while I was going to school, and then they hired me in the leasing department. So um, I started there, and then you know uh, commercial real estate it, it has several food groups, um, office, industrial, land retail and multifamily which is um, apartments and medical is really kind of underneath office and as I was getting to know the commercial real estate industry and doing the same for the this in person um, for this developer in-house you know I really just enjoyed I, I, I enjoyed the the idea that you know, healthcare, real estate, it's its mission critical and demand driven. So, you know, there's a reason for it to be there. Uh, this was right around the dot com bust. And so um, I was also kind of looking at how technology and, you know, everyone having a computer and what was that going to look like, you know, 20, 40 years down the road, are people really going to come to an office every day? So when I was thinking about where I wanted to spend, the time you know i really enjoyed working with these physicians working with health uh, healthcare companies and helping them locations where they can serve patients so for me it felt like uh there was some purpose to it so i really enjoyed that and therefore stayed in it and uh, haven't left
2: great all right well thanks for sharing that with us so um Let's just go over who your, you know, primary clients are. Then, when you're working in healthcare real estate, who are you dealing with? Is it the physicians, the practice administrators, some other leader? Who, who is your uh, point of contact there?
0: Yeah, if it's um, you know, if it's uh, like an independent physician, an entrepreneurial physician, I'm, I'm usually dealing with the physician for a couple of things. Sometimes they're purchasing the real estate in their personal um, through their 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 personal uh, funds, so you know I'm dealing with them personally. If it is through a know, it's a health, it's for a healthcare company, you know, I usually start the conversation with the with a physician. Um, if there's several physicians, if it's a partnership, sometimes I end up having to give a presentation to the entire partnership. And then um, if it's a large company you know, the physician will be involved, but then typically real estate, I would say more often than not, it's either under legal or, um, the CFO. So you either, uh, work with the corporate counsel or the CFO for the most part or operations if they have it. And then, you know, you're, you're dealing with them, but at the end of the day, once you submit the information, it goes to a committee that makes the final decision. But, um, but typically, so, so that's how it works, um, I think, within
2: healthcare companies or physician groups. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I just wanted to go over a few things. I was researching a little for your background, went to your website, list some areas of expertise, including exit strategies, purchase strategies, build-a-suit projects. So... Walk us through a little bit about that. I know when you're meeting with those clients, how does that, how are those decisions made? How do you reach those decisions with the client on what they need to do in that decision making process?
0: Sure. You know, I, um, typically they're looking, so if they're looking to exit out of their real estate, a couple of things are happening. Um, they are wanting to expand and they're wanting to use this as an income stream in order to, you know, if they they um, are able to put a lease on. So, this is common in sale, sale lease backs for exit strategies. Or, you know, if they have an investment, let's um, say a multi tenant building, then it's a little more complicated. But, um, you know, if they are looking for a sale lease back, it's typically a single tenant. So, they're the tenant in the building. They want to sell this property and then maybe go and buy a couple more. Um, so, they use it for expansion of their operation is, is one business, uh, reason that they do it. If they have, um, uh, a multi-tenant building, um, sometimes they, you know, it's leased up, it's at the top, it's at the top of the market and they just see it as an opportunity to, uh, to monetize it and, you know, enjoy the proceeds from that sale. Typically that's, that's, you know, the LLC is in, Their names personally, or if it's a group, um, you know, it's a it's a personal investment, Um, and you know they they leased it up um, and ready, you know, they're just taking advantage of the market. That one, uh, you know, since there's multiple tenants, sometimes the tenants are the partners of the building, and sometimes they're not. So so, um, but either way, that it's they feel that it's at its highest value, and they're they're looking to get out. A lot of times they're. Maybe tired of being a landlord of a multi-tenant building. Um, sometimes it's because if it's a partnership, some of the, the physicians are retiring um, and they want to, you know, ex- they don't, you know, want to be in a in a real estate asset investment anymore. And if they're purchasing, it's because they're typically they're growing. I mean, so they're wanting to grow. Um, they if they're a group that has a lot of. Uh, expensive and specialty tenant improvements, such as imaging or nephrology, or, um, you know, if it's a cardiology group and they want to put some cath labs in there, you know, that's highly specialized. So they're looking to, uh, purchase it and then build it or rehab an existing building put the TIs in there. And then sometimes they sell it, uh, right after, and sometimes they hold on to it, but it's, you know, for them to do that rather than go into another landlord's property where they only get a tenant improvement allowance, then at the end of their lease term, the tenant improvements stay with the landlord. Um, you know, for sometimes just the it's the economics of doing that it makes more sense for them to do it themselves. Um, and then build a suit. You know, if they're again build a suit is typically they're growing and. Um, it, those happen in new markets a lot of the times where there isn't any existing uh, inventory to choose from. So they they tend to build their own, or like I said, it's a specialty project, or they have themselves and a couple other um, complementary uses, or you know, a referral pattern with a couple other practices and they want to go and build their own building. So those are so those are the reasons why they would look at some of those strategies.
2: Okay. Um, I want to go over just because we're talking about healthcare space. So just from a fundamental aspect of this, how does a cl- clinician own medical facilities and still be able to practice medicine? You know, we already know about burnout and administrative overload and administrative burdens uh, being placed on the physicians and all the staff, really. So how can you... How can someone manage those dual roles?
0: I strongly encourage them to to hire professional property management companies. There's um, several that specialize specifically in healthcare facilities. So you know they're they're um, they're familiar with hazardous waste, backup generators. Um, you know if they need if a certain tenant needs more electricity or um, you know, it needs to have a room with you know a room that you know they for one hv you know one hvac unit for you know a couple of rooms um, because it needs to be cooler for for any specific reason. So so these sort of like fundamental mechanics of a of a medical office property they're very they're familiar with and they have the expertise in. Um, they can really help uh, take the thought of having a a piece of investment, uh, healthcare, you know, investment, real estate, um, you know, they they take some weight off of the physician's shoulder. So it's not like a second job. This is also great for partnerships because, you know, typically someone has to raise their hand for taking care of the building too and um you know they they work with the vendors during normal business hours whereas physicians it's you know they typically can have calls on their way sometimes to you know to the office or on their way back if a vendor needs as anyone knows if they dealt with anything just in their own personal house when you you know they see goes out or you know you have a plumbing issue the vendors aren't necessarily on a specific schedule one because you know they can't they, they have to fix some previous job and sometimes, you know, they're problem solving. So a physician, if they're doing a procedure, you know, someone shows up two hours late, they can't just leave the procedure. So I, I highly recommend that they, um, and, you know, pay for that. It, you know, there, it comes as a, it is a cost, but I think if they talk about the, the, uh, services that are offered and the convenience it provides, uh, you know, especially if they have a multi-tenant building, but even if they just have their own uh, building, this can take the strain off of an office manager as well, who's typically given the responsibility of taking care of, you know, the facility where, you know, and their, you know, I think their primary job is to manage the office and, you know, they have insurance companies and employees and patients and, you know, billing and all of this other stuff and then to mm-hmm. add the on top of it so um and then the property accounting i think having somebody um, manage the property accounting which you know is you know you want to know how much it's costing you to run your building and then you know every year you want to look at that and say hey what are some of these things that maybe um are a little high that need to be sent out to a couple other vendors for some quotes or, you know, it could, you know, if you look at your expenses just like you know anything else, you can say, oh, you know, this is really high. Is there something wrong that I need to get looked at? So, you know, obviously you want to continue to make sure you know how much it's costing you to, to run your property.
2: Mm-hmm. Um well, let me let me uh, follow up to that then. So let's say that a healthcare leader, that that decision maker is Looking at making some changes to their space, whatever that might be, it could be any of these options you've already provided with. What should they do to go about selecting a healthcare, you know, real estate advisor? What are those factors they should be paying attention to?
0: Um, so I think the you know, when I always ask them what they, so, you know, how is, how, how are they trying to affect their operation with this decision? Because at the end of the day, whatever real estate decision they are making, it, it it is they're thinking of something in, in their practice that they're wanting to do differently or change or expand or, you know, what have you. So there's, there's some sort of operational reason as to why they're wanting to make a real estate decision. So I ask that so that I can better understand kind of where my parameters are with um, with helping them with their real estate decision because depending on their answer and they're like oh you know we want to buy a building but depending on their answer to the operational question and the inventory available or a bunch of other decisions along the way I can say you know, this I know is what your primary goal is, but here is, you know, other options that still get you to your operational goal that you're trying to achieve just in maybe a little bit different way because they're, you know, this is what exists in the market or, um, or what have you. I would say, you know, there, you know, being a broker, you have to have a certain level of confidence just to get through your day. There's just a lot of, um, a lot of things that you have to, to manage and problem solving and, and whatnot. And I would say, the you know, if, um, if some, if a healthcare company calls, a you know, an advisor and they're just talking about how great they are and not asking them questions about their healthcare company and, and what this real estate, de- how this real estate decision is going to impact them from the operational side. I would say that's probably the, the biggest red flag because, you know, the whole, the whole point is, of the decision is to help them with some, something in their healthcare operation that they're trying to achieve.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for that. So for the next several questions, I really want to look at some of those nuts and bolts questions in case a practice leader is beginning that decision-making process regarding property. So first of all, how do they go about understanding the value of their medical facility? What's the, what are the steps there? What should they be looking at?
1: Yeah, they need to, they need to talk to somebody that
0: is involved in transactions on a regular basis. So that happens to be a lot in the brokerage community. You know, if you have, um, you know, somebody on the financing side or capital market side that they could help as well. Cause what you really need to know is where, the value of your property and in relation to the current rent, rental rates and cap rates. And the only way you know that is if you're doing deals in the market all the time because they're, they fluctuate with, um, you know, uh, economic indicators and whatnot. Um, so, you know, you really need to get with somebody that can give you that information based on you know and relative to your property um then also be able to help you say okay this is what the value is today and maybe if you do these few different things you could increase your value significantly there's usually a few things you can do that um they may cost some money but they could greatly increase your the value of a, of a property when you go to market just like you know if you were thinking of your house i mean if you you did a few different things to, to improve some of, some of the things of your house or a rental property. Um, you know, you could put it on the market for a lot more than, you know, what it is today and, and make more money. So, and it's more important in an investment opportunity in and investment properties. Um, you know, uh, so you know, understanding what their as is and then what it could be, you know, relative to what they want to invest and, you know, and what they they can get after they, you know, if they do choose to make a couple of changes.
2: Okay. Um, So one of the next things is then, so once they've done that process and they've, they've evaluated everything, they believe they want to, They think they want to sell their medical office. So, when do they sell it? I mean, how, how do they go about that? What are the steps there that they're going to want to take?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, so this is a, I would say a three prong decision, obviously selling it. You want to do it at the top of the market, not the bottom. So that's obviously, um, you know, I think one of the main factors, but then, um, you also want to take into consideration, you know, tax laws and, um, uh, interest rates and that sort of thing uh so you know you want to kind of put all of these together and then you know pick the the right time for the investor because you know it's either a physician investor or, or or another investor so you know uh so a lot of people right now are selling because they're concerned that the interest rates are going to go up and uh and then also capital gains taxes, you know, might change. So there's a lot of uncertainty for that. Now with healthcare, real estate, it's a long-term. So, you know, they can, if they have, they they have typically have 10-year <clears throat> plus leases. So they can typically write out any short-term uh, economic fluctuations like that. But at the end of the day, it really depends on, you know, the value that you can get. And then, you know, other just economic conditions and, and then making a decision for what is the right time for that particular person.
2: Okay. Same thing then with uh, the purchase side of it. What, what are some of those steps then and that evaluation you go through if you want to purchase a medical office?
0: So the biggest thing I recommend with purchasing is to have, is have some runway. Um, you don't want to have to purchase a, a medical office. Um, because you're, you feel like your your hair was on fire, and you have, you know, you've waited, you've wait, you know, to the last minute, and you have to get in someplace um, is the best way. And knowing how much you can spend, so depending on if you're going to get a lineup, you know, how how you're going to how you're going to pay for it, um, you know, a, a lot of healthcare, smaller healthcare, you know, independent physicians, and they can get uh, small business loans. So what does that look like? Um, there's JV options where you don't have to put up the capital. Uh, you can just lease space in the building and sometimes different, different joint ventures. You can get a, uh, part of the ownership too. So, you know, there's people out there that want to partner with healthcare companies. So figuring out how, you know, how you're going to pay for it because it's expensive. And, um, then, then, therefore, you have your budget, and you'll know kind of what is the best scenario. Should you go and find an existing building and do an adaptive reuse, or should you look for land and do a ground up development?
2: Okay. All right. Well, um, I think one of the things we'd want to do now is just for our audience, because there are a lot of people who make those kind of decisions for their practices. Do you have a case study? I mean, I was out on your your website. There were some really cool testimonials, some people you had worked with in the past. Um, Just wondering if you have a case study you can share with us of a successful real estate transaction in the healthcare space, what that would look like.
0: Yeah, I have, I have several, uh, but a a lot of mine, I think surround are surrounded by physician owners. So it it is physician investors and owners that wanted to um, invest in real estate and get the economic benefit of putting together, you know, one or multiple properties and fill them up with themselves and other tenants that you know is a good tenant referral mix for the property. A lot of them did, you know, did this to also enter in new markets where at the time there were no medical office buildings that currently existed and they were able to either expand into multiple sites across the valley and that, you know, because in Phoenix, Arizona, it's a lot of new construction. And then they got to a point where they said, you know, this has reached the highest value um, and it's now it's time to sell. And then they monetized pretty much all of their assets. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, they were able to, you know, over, over time it was, they were able to, buy a building, build it where they wanted to practice, reach a patient base that was, you know, new, grow. And then uh, some, you know, were going to stop practicing. Some just wanted to not have as much on their plate. And then, you know, they put in, they put a 10-year lease on their property and then they sold it to an investor. So a lot of my, that's kind of an aggregate of a, of a lot of my uh, transactions.
2: Okay, okay. Um, before we sign off, then I really want to dig down a little bit deeper as far as what resources, tools, might be available to our audience. Is there anything you can share, direct them to any any papers, blogs, anything that you've got there uh, that might be helpful to them?
0: Um, so a lot of the stuff that I use, you have to pay for, uh, and you know, it's not like, you know, 20 bucks a month. You, ha- you know, you have to buy a subscription and there's several hundred dollars a month. So um, I know LoopNet, they can go on LoopNet. Um, that's open to the public um, that they can go on. But um, trying to think, I mean, LoopNet is very property specific. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as getting into really detailed information, a lot of it is either with brokers and, um, because you know, that especially cap rates and the rental rates, you know, you can, you can, I think you can get through LoopNet for, for the most part, but it, the asking rate and then, you know, what is actually being traded in the market. Um, but um, you know, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think, I mean, this is where, so healthcare is, you know, I would say for them to look where new hospitals are being built, where um, they're seeing some, a lot of high growth, you know, in, in those markets and to then see what medical services are, be, are currently there and what is needed. And if they can, you know, putting a, putting a site out there um, offers an opportunity for the community to get either new or expanded services for that particular, um, you know, healthcare needs. Because a, a lot, and we're, you know, I, I would say again, where hospitals are growing and expanding, you know, so I'm, I'm referencing Phoenix, which is a lot different than some other, uh, maybe more dense uh, geographic locations. But, you know, if you see a hospital going up, you, you know, and you don't want to be on campus, you want to find something as, you know, as close to campus, maybe across the street or down the road, um, you know, where it's easy for patients to get into where they're, they're coming for medical care anyway. You know, those are some, I I think things to look at.
2: Okay. Um, any, any final words then you'd like to share with us about the healthcare real estate market, whether it's trends you're seeing or, uh, you know, steps, advice, anything else before we sign off?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what's happening now, um, you know, typically, and when I started, a lot of practices were going into multi-tenant medical buildings. And I think, you know, as retail has pivoted a lot of, a lot of healthcare companies have looked at uh, retail, they call it med tail, um, where it's easier for the for the patient to get to, the parking is plentiful in retail centers and they have high visibility. So, that, so I see a lot of healthcare companies not necessarily wanting to be in that medical building where someone has to walk in, go up an elevator and then find them that they'd rather be um, Easy for the patient to find them and kind of in there, you know. If they're if they're already out doing things, it's it's easy for them to to come and get care. And I think this is developing because you know there's obviously certain practices that cannot do that. Um, you know, you wouldn't put an OBQIN in necessarily in a retail center; it doesn't make any sense. But
2: right, for, right.
0: Or um, you know, physical therapy. Um, if there's maybe even some, I've I've seen some pain management um, in there. A lot of urgent care, um, primary care. Uh, you know where the, the patient doesn't. You know there's no trauma. There's no critical care need. It's just that they need to come in for either a, a routine wellness check or you know they have a sinus infection or, or something that is pretty routine. I see. I see medical practices wanting to be in these locations, you know, where it makes sense. So I see that especially also I think with the ACA putting an emphasis on, you know, wellness care where they're wanting I I, I think that's the was the ultimate goal. Obviously I'm not sure how it will in practice end up, but um you know I think I think they're trying to make it where they're wanting you know, primary care to be the first line of defense and trying to keep patients healthy before they, you know, have something that is obviously more critical. And because of that, you know, they can go into these lighter medical property situations, so to speak. But I see that as as a huge trend. And I see, um, you know, just as it is in retail, where their lifestyle centers are are being created, I, I see like, I hear, you know, some of these, um, healthcare companies wanting it to be more of an experience for the patient. Uh, I'm not sure if it's an apples to apples analogy, but where, you know, the patient can come in and and I, you know, I think through COVID, whether people, you know, any good could come of COVID, but I think having, you know, the, the, the scheduled, um, the scheduled, I mean, they were always scheduled meetings, but they're, you know, like you pick a slot, online scheduling, um, very pragmatic and easy ways for a patient to get care. If they, you know, telemedicine for, you know, follow up or, you know, basic appointments and then schedule for a different specialty and, and more in depth appointments elsewhere. So, you know, I, I think they're, healthcare is trying. In a way to become more efficient, I know it has a very long way to go, but you know, I I think strategically placing healthcare sites where it's easy to reach a patient and make it easy for the patient to come to to get care, I do think at some point will help in some way with the with with the efficiency because at the end of the day, that's I go back to what I mainly said: it's mission critical and demand driven. So you know, as population grows and new communities are created, putting healthcare services out there so that they can get the services, especially for primary wellness care. And then, you know, obviously being referred um, to the hospitals or other more specialty care as needed. You know, I do think, you know, is helpful. No one wants to drive 40 minutes to get, to get medical care anymore. Um, Not that they ever did, but uh, you know, I think Really, being in a patient's um, traffic bubble, you know where they live,
2: right? Will
0: make I I think make healthcare more efficient in the long run.
2: Okay, well, Tricia, thank you again, and thanks for uh, you know joining us, just shedding some light on the commercial real estate market and just really what's going on in that healthcare space. So, thank you so much for that.
1: Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.